For the SBS studios in Ataman, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land I'm recording from. I pay my respects to the Camaragal people of the Gurungai Nation and their elders past and present. I also acknowledge the traditional owners from all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lands you are listening from. Hi, I'm Siraj Kolakar. As a child, I immigrated to Australia, and I've always had a fascination for immigrant stories. So on this podcast, I'm bringing you these stories through the eyes of our wonderful guests, recounting their first-hand experiences. Everything from hope, fear, alienation, and ultimately triumph. Last week, I sat down with Ali Sina Yusuf as he recounted the horrors of youth in a dangerous part of Afghanistan. My guest today is Anne Emily Perrel from France. She went from complete luxury to living out of a van in Outback Australia and working with her hands for the first time in her life. This is her story of falling in love with Australia. Anne Emily, welcome to my first year on Aussie soil. It's a real pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm really interested to get straight into into your background. So uh, where were you uh, born and where did you grow up? So I was born in uh, Paris, France, and I grew up in Versailles. Never mm-hmm. moved, didn't change house, um, just changed school. But yeah. Oh, very 19 good. 19 years. Yeah. Excellent. And your parents, uh, what's their heritage? So my dad is uh, French mm-hmm. and uh, fair-skinned, and my mom is from Madagascar, ah. dark-skinned. So when did she move from Madagascar to France? What was the story of how that so transpired? So basically, she uh, she was born when France... Uh, I mean, when uh, Madagascar was still part of France, was still a French colony. Ah. So she had uh, the French, a French passport, French, nation, French nationality and everything. And after the independence, um, she couldn't find a job and she felt that um, she was actually kind of uh, rejected by locals because she was French. So she decided to move to France. Uh, We already had some family there, uh, some cousins, some of uh, her brothers and sisters. And she moved when she was um, 25 or 26, something like that. So uh, tell me uh, what prompted your move to Australia? What age did it happen? Uh, run, Run me through that. So back in uh, 2010, I actually met someone. His name is Phil. He was planning to go and travel to Australia, buy a van and just travel around and um, and explore the country. We met and uh, we got along really well. Obviously, we started a love relationship. And then mm-hmm. we actually decided to, uh, I decided to follow him. Okay. Yeah. And uh, how long into the relationship was that, that you made that uh, decision? We started to be together from November 2010. Okay. And he originally planned to come to Australia in May. I said to him, it's too early for me. I yeah. can't move like that. And I, I had just taken on a new job as well. It wasn't a project at all that I had before meeting him. So I wanted, you know, to get um, to know a bit more 
about you know Australia and what we would do and things like that. Yeah. So we ended up actually leaving in February the following year, so February 2012. Okay, there you yeah. go. So about a year and change, a year and a half from when you met to when you moved uh, countries. That's, a, a year and a quarter. Yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of the romantic in you that decided, you know what? It was because our relationship was going really well, mm. but it was also because um, I had nothing that kept me. In okay. France, I actually have a tattoo on my back that I did the same year uh, when we were traveling in Bali, which right. which means the escape, okay. like escaping from your parents, ah. uh, which is very interesting because even as a child, I used to dream a lot of escaping from my parents from a very, very young age. Right. So I guess I always had that idea in my head that I would will not stay around, if okay. that makes sense. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So I believe a lot in destiny and I back then I believe believed that if I had met Phil, it was that I needed to do something with right, him, you know, right. and uh, that was my journey of, yeah. you know, that was the opportunity of going somewhere else mm. uh, with someone that I trusted. It made sense. And it made sense. Yeah. And then I thought, you know, okay, let's let's do it despite everything that, you know, my parents and my friend were saying to me, like, oh my God, are you crazy? Like, yeah. what are you going to do? <laughs> Living in a van, keeping around <laughs> you, like, you know. So once you were starting to think about moving to Australia to when you made that decision that, yes, I am going to make this move, was that a quick decision or... Because it, it felt right, or was that something that you had to wrestle with for a few weeks and months? No, I just decided one day, okay, I do it. He asked me, I'm only going to ask you once, do you want to come with me? Wow. And I answered yes, without even thinking about it. And wow. then I realized a few days after, damn, I'm actually, I've actually said yes, so you know. And now that I've said yes, I kind of have to do it. But I, fr <laughs> I freaked out. I yeah, freaked out. And then go. thought, you know, I have nothing to lose. I, I may as well just do it. Which part of Australia did you first land in? Um, and how was that? Perth. Okay, okay. Perth. And how was, how was that? Because geographically, Perth is the most isolated city in the world. It is, but it's also the closest from Europe. Oh, okay. It okay. is, it is. Uh, so, uh, we, we actually had some contacts of some friends of Phil that arrived by Perth as well and knew a garagist that was kind of specialized on the side to actually build vans for backpackers mm -hmm. from really crappy vans that he was finding. <laughs> Our was really crappy, actually. Um, but, you know, we already had like, you know, like kind of um, the bed set up and some, you know, some like cupboard situation happening where we could pack our things in it. And I believe the first night we actually we had an issue with the start the, to start the car like we we went around you know to buy a few things yeah. um, like to cook and things like that mm -hmm. and we couldn't actually start the car again we got actually stuck at a petrol station <laughs> and we had to sleep at the petrol station <laughs> and I remember lying down on the bed and thinking what the hell am I doing here like seriously yeah so tell me uh, what what was going through your mind then what was the next decision you made uh, after you spent the night uh, at a petrol station, how, how much longer did the van life continue? We tried to find a job mm -hmm. because we thought, you know, we're here and we found like a perfect parking uh, on the beach in Scarborough to sleep yeah. with amenities, you know, um, like bathrooms, uh, cold shower. Um, yeah. And a lot of other backpackers were sleeping there. So it was, you know, like it was kind of fun. Um, yeah, a campsite kind of. 
Well, it was um, it was just a, a parking, a beach okay. parking. Okay. But okay. you know, obviously, it was free. We yeah. could stay there. No one was thinking us out. So yeah. you know, it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually, I believe, we ended up staying at least a month and a half trying to find a decent job. We found one in hospitality, but the boss just took advantage of us because we were just brand new and we didn't know what was you know the law and all of that. And he was like paying us $12 an hour to, wow. to do, yeah, some, you know, cash like, in um, hand, cash in hand. And then we thought, no, no, we can't, we can't keep on doing that. We just, we need to find something else, but we couldn't find anything better. Yeah. Um, it's really hard, especially if you don't have a fixed address that you're That was the hardest thing. Mm. So at the end of the day, we actually decided to go on the road mm-hmm. and try to find a job wherever we could. Okay. And then we ended up finding a job like 200 kilometers away from Perth wow. on a farm. Yeah, that was our first like proper work experience. It was actually fun. Like back now, you know, when I think about it, I'm just um, I'm, I'm so glad I've done it because yeah. going through you know my very regular polished life. Yeah, back this home, is the first time you got your hands dirty. I, and... uh, literally, yeah, <laughs> it was the first time I got my hands and everything else on my body dirty because we were covered in dust the whole day long. We had to actually wear like glasses so that yeah. we wouldn't get, you know, dust in the eyes and things like that. And I had to carry like 32 kilo bags. Yeah. And at, I mean, at the end of the, at the end of the, the three months that we stayed there, I was like stronger than I had ever been before in my entire life, which was great. <laughs> so then how long did you spend at this farm? Uh, about three months, okay. something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then what happened next? Why did you leave the farm? And then we left because we wanted to go and travel. Like we, we had a goal of uh, savings that we wanted to have. And once we reached that goal, then we just we just took the road and drove up north. And Western Australia is such a beautiful. It's huge, right? It's huge, but it's such a beautiful part of the country. Like yeah. I mean. Uh, it's it's you can drive for like literally four hours without seeing anyone you actually wave at people when you cross cars right you wave at people and then you you know we stopped at amazing campsites where we met you know families traveling or you know uh, older people traveling as well and yeah. then we discovered like you know amazing places like one of the ones that i loved the most was the ningaloo reef up in exmouth mm-hmm. We we did like um, some um, snorkeling with whale sharks and all of that. It was just beautiful, uh, amazing, yeah. And then on our way up, we actually um, we had the occasion of stopping again to work okay. in the mine region. So we stopped for like about two months in Port Hedland. Right. We worked for like a big mining company where uh, we uh, were working for the cafe that uh, they had in one of the shopping centers. Yeah. Um, that was amazing as well. We were like maybe, um, I'd say maybe between 20 and 30 backpackers to work for them. Okay. We were all living on their parking as well, but we had access to all the all the amenities of the village where all the miners were working. Yeah. So we were, you know, fed, we had washing machines and all of that, and we were really well paid. And um, we like, we built a little community, you know, with the people over there. And that was like, it was great. And then you continued to uh, travel around. Like, how? Uh, what? What was the next uh, next step? Where so, did you go from the van life to? So the next step was. So when we were in Cairns, we were actually uh, we met this amazing family that had a fish farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were working for them, and they were actually hosting us on one of their properties that they just bought. So we had like a big shed that you know had everything, like you know kitchen and bathrooms and all of that. So we stayed there like until February, and then 
we went to New Zealand for a month. Mm -hmm. And then the plan was to... Uh, we already thought, you know, we, we actually would like to come back to Australia to do the second uh, year. Yeah. And we could apply for it because we had done enough farm work. Okay. We had done four and a half months. So out of the three months that were um, mandatory, we, we were over it. That's good. And then we said, yeah, we, we do that. But first, we're going to go back to France and, you know, visit family and do... Um, and, you know, see where life leads us. And that move back was awful. Yeah? Awful. What happened? Well, I took on a job that I really hated. Mm. And um, just coming back to the regular life of mm. seeing the same people, that life hadn't much changed, you right. know, whereas we had changed a lot after, you know, obviously living on our own in a van, traveling around. Uh, and that was really hard. Like, there, there was a real, real shock there to going back to regular, you know. Yeah, and uh, which city was that in? Bordeaux again. Okay. Still, it was awful. Right. Awful. So what you uh, found regular uh, a couple of years ago now felt uh, really uneventful and yeah. monotonous. And, and it wasn't me sane. anymore. I felt that I had changed and that that lifestyle wasn't the right one. And I was really, really missing Australia. Right. So then that prompted you to come back? To come back in September. Okay. Uh, so we actually had left our, uh, our car that we bought in Cairns mm -hmm. at this family's property with all our belongings as well. Yeah. And we came back in September to their place. They hosted us for like a week. And I remember being there and having the first barbecue with them and feeling home. Yeah. So that was the first time you felt... Uh, First Australian barbecue that you had? Oh, no, no, no. I no. had many before, many before but that? it was the first one after having been back to France for six months. Right. So you felt uh, properly Australian when you moved away and then came back? When I decided that, yeah, I wanted to. Right. That's to, fascinating. Yeah. So when you went back uh, for some months and lived in what was normal life before, yeah. you felt... Uh, all that was missing from your life in Australia. Yeah. So coming back felt uh, felt like coming back home. Felt wrong. Co and coming back, yeah. not coming forward, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was that 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 was wrong. Awesome. Very good. Um, so then, um, take me forward to what what happened after that. So after that, uh, actually, Phil and I broke up. Okay. Because we stayed in Kers until um, December and we broke up. Mm -hmm. And then um, I uh, met someone else that I traveled down with to Sydney. Right. Um, same kind of traveling, except that we actually had a car. So we had a car and a tent. Yeah. Um, and that was amazing. Like just really, you know, that freedom of, you know, doing whatever you wanted on the road and things like that was amazing. And then I arrived in Sydney mm. and found a job and realized that at the end of my visa, which mm -hmm. was coming up um, maybe four or five months after, mm -hmm. I didn't want to go home. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I was going to ask you, like, um, after you broke up uh, with the person that brought you to Australia initially, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, okay, so then what was keeping you from uh, wanting to go back home? But here had become home by then. Yeah, it had. It had. And actually, we actually came back together mm -hmm. uh, within those six months. Um, and But even that, even if, he had, if, even if we were not together, mm -hmm. I had decided that I wanted to stay 
whatever mm. he was doing wasn't important for me. I had decided that I wanted to stay. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at, you know, a student visa back then. Yeah. But then my boss, who I'm still in touch with, mm -hmm. um, hi, Phil, uh, he <laughs> actually offered me a sponsorship as a manager of the cafe I was working. Different Phil. Yeah. Okay. Many Phil's. Many fields back then, yeah. <laughs> Very good. So then um, uh, take me through to from then to now. To What, now, yeah. yeah. So I started working as a manager and then um, my visa was up because it was a new business. So I had to renew my sponsorship after a year, but mm -hmm. I decided to change cafe. Yeah. So I started working in Surrey Hills and um, I renewed my visa with them. And then... I was still with Phil number one. We <laughs> moved in together in Bondi, um, you know, and living really like, you know, the like the Bondi lifestyle, yeah. which I kind of didn't really like. Okay. Um, but then I was working hard, like really, really hard, a lot of hours on my feet. And I was getting really tired by hospitality. Right. Uh, and then we actually decided that maybe it was time to move back home. Okay, back home. Back home in France. Okay. And try, you know, to maybe open something together because right. he was also from a hospitality background. Right. But then, which is very, very funny. So we took that decision while I was on holidays with my parents in October in Thailand. And I flew back. The morning, I, I arrived in Sydney at 6 a.m. At 9 a.m., I got a phone call from a recruitment agent saying to me, would you be willing to, you know, have a chat because I, I may have an opportunity of a really um, nice position for you. Oh, so I thought, oh, okay. And I had the job interview with that recruitment agency at 2 p.m. So mm -hmm. I was jet lagged and completely, you know, out of nowhere. Yeah. And that was my dream job. Yeah. And you got it. So And I got it. Perfect. So sometimes that works out, like when you're tired, you're not overthinking and you're not stressing. So you're just answering. You should, yeah. So it can it can work out. Yeah. So I, I moved to that job in January 2017. Mm -hmm. And Phil and I broke up again for good yeah. two weeks after I started that job. Mm -hmm. And then I moved out and, you know, starting living my single life, having one of the best jobs I've ever had yeah. in Vaucluse and living my best life literally and thinking, you know, I want to stay. So I really want the permanent residency now. And I, I was, I knew I was able to apply after waiting like an, an extra year. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And they were willing to help me out. So, you know, that's what I did. And, and then I, um, I met my uh, soon-to-be husband yeah. in um, June of the same year. Okay, excellent. Going back a tiny bit, to uh, the breakup uh, with Phil. Yeah. Uh, what uh, caused that breakup, do you think? Which breakup? The first or the second? <laughs> <laughs> Both. <laughs> Both. Uh, the first one was, um, I think I wanted to leave something different. Mm -hmm. And Lifestyle-wise? Um, just, I just felt that we were kind of, you know, in a bit of a, moment where it was really monotonous and we were trying to plan wherever we wanted to go but I needed to escape yeah again so I escaped yeah by leaving him which was really really hard for yeah. him 
uh, and I'm still, you know, I apologized a lot afterwards yeah. and everything. But yeah, it was, um, I needed to escape from that situation. I felt that it wasn't right for me at that yeah. time. Yeah. And I'm really glad I did. Yeah. And it's difficult to make uh, a, a dis decision like that. It was, you know? it was, it was hard, but I needed to do it. Yeah. And the cat, I mean, the catalyst was also because I had met this other guy that I traveled down with. Yeah. And he had been like, you know, the, the, literally the catalyst of me deciding, go. Right. And you mentioned escape before uh, on your tattoo. Um, so that was about escaping friends? From my parents originally. Right. Okay. And Can you I, tell me more yeah, about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually had that tattoo done um, in Bali, when okay. we were in Bali. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I always felt that it was kind of something, like kind of my fight mechanism was to flee. Yeah. And um, it had always been very powerful, you know, in the way I was dealing with things. When something wasn't right, I was literally leaving everything behind and leaving. So I left uh, home when I was 19 because um, I was an only child mm -hmm. and um, I had a lot of pressure from yeah. my parents to succeed. And coming from my mom because she felt that she failed right. as a woman, right. um, because she stopped working when she had me right. and then was basically living, you know, at, and still now, you know, uh, at the grip of my dad and, you know, not, not being really free. And right. um, she, she's, she has always, you know, um, she made me realize that from a very, very young age mm. that, you know, I needed to try to be as free as I could. Yeah. And I had to leave that pressure, right. that parental pressure, but yeah. also I had to leave Versailles, that town, because... It's, uh, so Versailles is a very um, strange community. Like, you know, everything um, is still the same as what it was a hundred years ago when right. they were noble and all of that. You know, they still have huge houses. They still have a lot of kids. They still, you know, they dress like their parents and their grandparents. They right. raise their kids in the same way. And it's a very Catholic, hypocritical way of living, right. which wasn't accepting at all from people that were different, although right. at the front they were, but from the back they were not. And I had, I had to leave because I wasn't, you know, among all the kids at high school, I was one of the only one that was darker. Right, right. And, you know, all the, all the other communities were, you know, living in specific parts of towns. Mm. No one was really mixed with anyone else. I still have a lot of really, really good friends, good girlfriends from back then. Yeah. But a lot of them were not from that community, yeah. that particular community. Right. So it's... Um, and yeah, I had to leave that and, and feel that um, I was accepted somewhere else. Yeah. So that's why I picked, you know, to actually move away from that town because I needed to go and see how life, how different life could be somewhere else. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so then from there you went to Bordeaux, you yeah. said, right? Yeah. And uh, then when you went back uh, to Bordeaux after yeah. uh, going to Australia, yeah. you said you really hated it. Um, yeah. Can you tell me what 
uh, that felt like and, and why you felt so strongly against it? Like, what was what was the feeling there? The, the monotony and the fact that um, I had changed. Right. I, I didn't want to go back to that life mm -hmm. that I had before that was a lot of partying, a lot of, you know, socializing, a lot of, um, you know, very, you know, um, you know, you go on the Saturday, you know, you buy a lot of clothes, you just, it wasn't real life. I had realized for a few months, you know, that I was just rapidly having a hot shower one day. <laughs> so when you go from appreciating the simplest thing in life to go back to a lifestyle where you have to, you know, kind of, I mean, I, I felt of kind of, you know, I had to go back to those friends that I had previously that yeah. were still in that kind of lifestyle and it wasn't mine anymore. I had changed. I don't know if that makes sense, but I yeah, kind of no, try I, to, it's hard to put words on it, but um, yeah. I think I understand what you mean. Um, when you went back, you felt a shift in yourself in, a, in um, what uh, you enjoyed about the culture here. Um, in Australia and what you what you found um, made this feel more like home like what are uh, which makes me uh, want to ask next like what are things in Australia that you like the most like what makes you feel like you know this is home and and what are what are parts of the culture here that you enjoy it's easy it's life easy? is easy I find that the, you know the lifestyle is very easy you Although, you know, I do miss a lot of, you know, the, the, the cultural part of, of France, obviously, you know, being able to um, go to like uh, exhibitions, go to the museums and all of that, all of those things that I really deeply miss. But life is really easy in Australia and so accepting. Like here, when I, when I uh, arrived, I wasn't, I've had never, ever in 10 years been judged by the color of my skin. Right. As opposed uh, to as in, opposed to France, yeah, where you oh, said, "Oh, you're dark. Where are you from?" You know, here, yeah, I'm French. I'm not dark. No one cares about the color of my skin, hmm. and it's actually shocking for a lot of people to hear how I lived back then. That yeah. people judge you because of the color of your skin, that you're different because of that. No one cares. No one ever cared. No one treated me differently because of that. And that's that 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 was one of the main reasons why I wanted to stay. Wonderful, yeah, very good. Um, you said uh, your mom uh, is from Madagascar. Mm -hmm. uh, did you absorb the Madagascar culture? I did, I did. Yeah, not 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 as much as I wish I would, um, but yes. Yeah. So I, I she, I mean, she talks to me in Madagascan sometimes, you know, at, at home, and I understand what she says, and you know, the music, the food. Um, she has a lot of brothers and sisters, so I'm very close to, you know, my cousins, and you know, they pretty much live in that lifestyle. So, uh, I mean, that that culture actually. So yeah, I've, I've I, I grew up with it, really, with mm. both. I feel that I grew up with both um, both culture. Right. But I wish I would be able to speak, but my dad refused for my mom to teach me. Okay. To speak. 
So um, in early childhood, um, when you were um, when you would have liked to absorb the Madagascar culture more, and that's when you learn languages mm. the most easily. Yeah, that's when your mom. Um, was stopped by your dad from teaching from doing it, yeah. the and imparting the culture and and she up to now you know th still thinks that the fact that she comes from there is a weakness right and why is that because she suffered a lot from racism a lot a right. lot and still in the way days you know my dad still says that i'm white you're so white white skinned to you yeah right Because, uh, because compared him, to it, your mother? Is yeah. that what he means? Yeah. Right. He, he wanted to stop that culture from being part of your life. And yeah, not, I mean, he, he was happy for, you know, for me to know a few things here and there about it, but right. not more than a bit. And why, why was that, do you think? To blend, to blend yeah. with the rest of the people mm. and, you know, to, I, I believe for him it was, I mean, it, I, I know that it was tough when uh, he introduced my mom to his family, mm. uh, who was, you know, quite conservative and obviously very white. Um, uh, so for him to date someone who was dark skinned was a challenge. Um, and although she's been welcomed quite warmly among the family, It was still a weakness. Right. There was still an undertone yeah. of otherhood. Definitely. Until, until they had me, yes. Right. Yeah. All the way up until yeah. you became a family yeah. of three. Yeah. And now that you have a young boy of your own, mm -hmm. um, how uh, do you feel about raising him in Australia compared to maybe uh, if you'd stayed in France Well, my, my husband has a Croatian background. So yeah. he migrated to Australia when he was five. Yeah. Uh, but he is still very, very European. Like okay. his parents, um, you know, they speak Croatian together. And um, he, um, we raise our kids in a very European way, very like kind of traditional in our values, mm -hmm. I believe. Uh, but with that Australian lifestyle, you know, of, yeah, let them run around and go to the beach and, you know, be happy and be barefoot and, you know, go to the park and all of that. So, you know, it's kind of, I'm really, really happy that I can give my son that opportunity of not, you know, being, of being in a country of migrants, basically, you know. Right. So he, although like he's quite fair skinned, but he's still, he's not white. Uh, he's blonde, which is very weird. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm very glad that being here, he will not have to go through what my mom had to go through while she was, you know, um, in France. I mean, being becoming an adult in France and what I went through as a child. Right. He will not have that here. And that's really important for me. Although, you know, I, I, we, we are actually planning on trying to make a move back to Europe at some point. Mm. Um, the, the Australian lifestyle with that, you know, equality of opportunity and no judgment whatsoever where you come from is a big, fa like a big factor in my decision of, you know, wanting to actually have a child here and raise a child here. Yeah, 
it was definitely excellent and so that's um where you feel the difference was for how your childhood went in France compared to all the discrimination that you mm. would have faced compared to the um freedom that your son will have here yeah. to pursue things and, and and be himself and be whatever he wants to be excellent because the i mean the discrimination for me came from the society where i grew up and the, the town where i grew up but also as a result of that from my parents that you know told me you need to do this and do that and be con stay conform to mm. everyone else blend mm. whereas i discovered actually like literally in the last two or three years that i, I, I wasn't conform and i loved you know being different yeah. compared to other people but for me it was so ingrained of having to blend that mm. you know I, i've never let it go actually i've never let myself out until like literally a few years back yeah uh, which coincides with when you became a mother yeah right. and when i when i met my soon-to-be husband as well who has been incredibly supportive and incredibly helpful into you know that process of accepting that i was black and being yeah. proud of it yeah which my mom is still not and will never be Wow. And um, are you making an effort to impart uh, the Madagascar culture onto your son? Yes. I told my mom to, you know, speak to him in, in Madagascan. Mm. So he knows Madagascan words that I still keep on, 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 you know, using here so that he doesn't, you know, lose it. Yeah. And um, he... Uh, my dad was saying to my mom, oh, you're going to make him confused between English, French, and Madagascan. And I mm. said to I stopped him straight away saying, he, that's where he's from too. He needs to learn. Yeah. You know. He was trying to sort of do again what he yeah. did with you. And yeah. he said, no, no, no. Yeah. Not this time. Not this time. Very nice. Um, f personally, for me as well, um, learning a, a bunch of languages um, at, at uh, youth... Um, and having that uh, be part of your life from a really early time, yeah, uh, I think it it helps uh, a lot in in developing and um, makes you understand there's people other than you, you know. So that kind of starts shifting your approach in life as well. Because I'm an only child as well. So, okay, uh, so you know what it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So um, learning that, oh, there's uh, two, three different names for a table, you know, that, that kind of approach. And then going off from that and exploring the different languages, backgrounds and yeah. all kind of opens up your mind and, and uh, heart to other people and uh, possibilities. Absolutely. Very good. Absolutely. And it's, it's such a, a, a chance and a mm. richness to have that. I think it's, it's you know, it's... Um, This is what makes us unique, you know, because we are from culture or we live in a country that is totally different compared to, you know, what what our ancestors came from. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's, 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 it's fabulous. I've absolutely loved hearing your story of, of moving, the shift uh, in, in personal identity and uh, adjusting and then... Uh, having Australia feel like home. And I see a lot of echoes of my own life in that as well. 
And it's been absolutely wonderful uh, having you on the show. So thank you so much, uh, Anne Emily. Well, for th thanks for having me. And um, you know, it's um, I, 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 I mean, I knew you know that I would have to go back to you know a lot of memories from back then, but um, I didn't realize before how important it was for me. Yeah. And that it's really, you know, like a big part of the reason why I'm here. And, you know, you get caught into daily life very easily, especially with a toddler. But, you know, um, it's nice to go back to kind of the roots of why am I here right now? So, yeah, thanks for giving me this opportunity. It's, it's, it's really, really, it feels good. Thanks for joining me for another episode. Next week, I'll be joined by Ali Bahnesewi, a journalist from Egypt who tried settling down in a variety of countries, but ultimately found a home in Australia. You can find more info at sbs.com.au slash myfirstyear. My First Year on Aussie Soil is an SBS original podcast. It's created and produced by me, Suraj Kolaka, and Danny Giles.